Hi and hello, and welcome to the Bobby Horror Picture Show uh, with uh, Bobby Babylon. It's hello. me, smoke them if you got them, we got a good one coming. Uh, hello, and uh, me, Sleeves, hi, and hello. Um, we're talking to members of the Bug Cult and the Slurp fam. Always, always. Sleeves, I gotta cut you off though. Have you, uh, have you watched yourself in the new Sim Slurp fam world? Did you, you know uh, you're I did in it? catch a glimpse, yes. Scratchy yes. record, a, a slurp fam, you know, we're going to have her on the show hopefully sometime. Uh, she's got a Sims world going, and uh, tell the people how you're dressed. Dressed as I normally am dressed. She asked uh, to send a photo and a little description of yourself. So I send a photo, and uh, I mean, it's just it's just the picture of me. It uh, looks just like you. You're, yeah. you're wearing a... Uh, sunglasses, uh, beach towel, barefoot. Uh, typical, just hopped off the jet ski. Uh, a normal, yeah, every week. It's beautiful. Off, She's yeah. doing amazing things over there. I think she might be finishing your house soon. But uh, I'm sorry, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't mean to get... Uh, we could talk for hours on The Sims World, I'm sure. But let's bring on our guest, Sleeves. Who do we have today? Sure. What are we doing? We have uh, Mr. Eli Hodap. Am I pronouncing your last name wow. right? Wow, yeah, perfect. Okay. Oh, man, buzz, buzz, my guys. Thanks for having me on here. Buzz, this is buzz. buzz, buzz. Thanks for coming. Eli Amazing. It's like I went from reply guy to a guest on the Bobby Horror Picture Show. This is like the a rags to riches story that honestly is only possible in the cult. Well, I'm very excited to have you on because you are kind of new to the cult. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you didn't. Uh, the cult's I... already blessed you. We're all we're having <laughs> you on. You're you're doing great. Everybody's loving. Uh, but uh, how did you how'd you come into things? And when did this happen? Oh, man. Well, I guess uh, to, to make the story as short as possible, I guess um, uh, a friend of mine introduced me to Doughboys maybe, uh, I don't know, last year or something like that. And um, I don't know, like usually I listen to podcasts. Like I, I rarely go back and listen to kind of like the back catalog after I describe something right, or after I find something. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know, like Doughboys is kind of interesting because their format, you know, obviously goes through chain restaurants and stuff. And I was just had listened to the most recent one and was kind of scrolling through like seeing if i recognize anything else and i was like oh tony roma is like this is cool um and that was the the bug main episode mm -hmm. and um it was just like what in the what in the fuck is happening here this is i it was i don't know it was unbelievably hilarious like it was just hard to even describe how much i enjoyed it um so i listened to the ihab episode and uh just really enjoyed Bug's sense of humor and um like how hardy was trolling mitch and weiger uh, is that's kind of like <laughs> It's like 100% something I appreciate is I got my job in the game industry by like trolling people, believe it or not. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so it was kind of weird because I don't really follow the comedy scene that closely or I guess like whatever you want to call the scene that like most of the Doughboys guests exist in. And I just kind of like figured that Bugmane was like another writer or comedian or, or something that I just didn't really know and wasn't exposed to or whatever else. And um, so I followed Mitch and Weiger on Twitter and that uh, eventually, you know, Twitter is just like constantly suggesting you other people to follow. Uh, and that got me onto Mitch Live. And that okay. kind of was like this like light bulb moment of like, whoa, like Doughboys isn't just a podcast. It's like this like universe of like weird shit that these guys all do and they all kind of know each other and they're all working on these like tangentially related projects. And so uh, the next logical step through Mitch Live was uh, Bazizio. Is that my, am I pronouncing that right? Bazizio, I Bazizio. believe. Bazizio, yes. okay. Um, because like on Mitch Live, people were using like like you know how Twitch works with like all the different like uh, emotes of the channels you're subscribed to and stuff. And I was like, what's this pro thing that looks like the Supreme logo that keeps like getting popped up? And um, so through Bazizio, I eventually found out about BugCon, which was this completely new rabbit hole of like, is this real? I don't know. Like, what the fuck's going on? Um, and it, it was just sort of this complete mind fuck that like this dude that I can't find anything about on the internet is apparently hosting a convention based on an appearance, like two appearances on the Doughboys, um, <laughs> which didn't make any sense because like I've experienced hosting like small to mid tier events and like the amount of work that goes into those, like you can't just like decide you're going to do it and like just just tell people, oh yeah, we're holding a conference. Like there's so much more that goes into it. He prophesized the Burbank uh, conference. I mean. I mean, I guess, but it was like you know what? I looked at the the Bazizio store, the hundred dollar BugCon pass. I was like, man, this has to be a joke. Like, I, and I, I I looked at it, I loaded it up like twenty five different times over the course of the next couple of weeks, and was like, I'm gonna buy this. And I was like, no, like because I wanted to see what would happen, right? Because I was 
like almost sure that if I bought the BugCon pass, that like they'd email me back and be like, dude, we're, we're refunding you. This isn't happening. Or I guess like worst case scenario, they'd send me like a box of episode one VHS tapes or something like that. Like I was, <laughs> I was sure it wasn't going to happen. And then the BugCon Twitch stream went up and I was just like, motherfucker, like this is real. Uh-huh. And I spent the entire weekend like absolutely glued to the TV. And like my girlfriend would come in and be like, what are you watching? And I was just like, it would take me too long to explain. Just go do something else. Like I'm busy right now. And honestly, like what really bummed me out was that um, in Burbank, I think it was either the weekend before or the weekend after E3. And I like totally could have gone because I could have gone to E3 for work stuff and just kind of like uh, did BugCon as like part of the beginning or end of that trip. And so wow. it was just kind of like one of those things where I was like, I can't fucking believe that this actually is happening. And I could have been there. And instead, I'm just like sitting at home watching and uh, shit posting in the Twitch chat. Um, but then I guess I like officially joined the cult, if you want to say that. Like when I um, kind of decided to become a reply guy on Twitter to things in kind of the bugiverse, uh-huh. uh, which had me kind of finding people like uh, Uncle Howard and Franklin and Uncle Uncle and the Dune Boys and, and you guys. And um, I guess I just really love super meta stuff. And like it seems like most bug cult things exist like six layers deep in jokes that were like started a year ago. So it's like, I feel like this like weird internet historian almost of like trying to figure out like, like this thing that you guys are doing now is funny, but it's obvious that it's building on like eight different things that are documented nowhere. <laughs> and like putting it all together is this like, I don't know, like really, really crazy you're sort now of thing. yeah doing your detective work that is yeah. required of every bugling. This, is, this podcast is just us replying. We're just off Twitter for a second, and we're just continuing the thing. We're we're still replying. That's all this is. I mean, we're it, just it, replying to each other like we normally would. Yeah, it makes me feel like um, like Harrison Ford and Blade Runner though, like just constantly like chasing like the next lead of like the kind of like the secret identity of Bugmane and everything else. And I don't know, it's Eli, just really fun. You've become very, I've noticed you very much recently. You've uh, made a splash lately. Don't think that we didn't notice. <laughs> All of a sudden there's this guy and he's just super in it. He's, he, okay. I mean, but, but, you I, have a, you have a Miata. You're, you're the <laughs> second person on our podcast to have a Miata. And you know who the other one was? Uncle uh, fucking yeah. Howard. Second person with the Miata. First person with a running Miata. Running Miata. <laughs> That's extra cool points. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I've been super active because like, um, I completely agree with uh, what Dick Hildroy was saying on your previous episode. And that like, the bug cult has kind of made Twitter fun again. Oh, um, yeah. Because like, I, I don't know, like not to get like too much into me and stuff. But like, I, I work from home and kind of just sit from my computer, uh, my basement, just uh, working on game stuff and most of my friends have kind of like left the Chicago area. So it's like, I don't know. It's just kind of weird, like not having anyone around to hang out with. And like the bug cult is kind of like, I don't know, become like the new thing I've glommed onto, I guess, for mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, and what's, what's so refreshing about it is that like so my, my previous job I had a pretty, I built a pretty big Twitter following, but like gaming Twitter is just kind of super toxic and um, all this other stuff. So I kind of just deleted all my tweets and, and like, said fuck twitter a while ago and just kind of like came back because i don't know i was bored i suppose and that's kind of when i found like the bug cult and all that stuff so in the um, brighter side of twitter yeah and it's just like really fun because like everyone's just having a good old time and telling dumb jokes and being a reply guy to everyone reply guy and reply girl um i guess <laughs> i should say and yeah it's just i don't know really a cool cool vibe cool people everything else is great so it sounds like you're going to try and make it to BugCon 2020. Oh, definitely. Oh, my God. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, not even a question. It's not even a question. In fact, I'm uh, scheming with... Uh, I've actually um, gotten kind of a, a peace deal between the Voodoo Villains and uh, the Crackle <laughs> 7 oh, and shit. the Zune Boys. And uh, wow. we're kind of kind of scheming. Never, all th- wow. Holy all of shit. them agreeing to something? Yeah. So the current plan, and, and this is still, we're workshopping this. So, uh, you know, don't don't consider this yeah, as yeah. gospel. Nobody listens yet. to this podcast. It's fine. But uh, we're thinking of all going in on uh, one of the merch tables, but splitting the table three ways so everyone can set up like their own kind of like, uh, uh, like 4-H exhibits. And then people can decide who the true winner is based on the uh, 
kind of like science fair of, of BugCon between the three guys. I like it. Let the buglings vote. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll because find I out mean, for like, sure. We can argue on Twitter all day as to who the best crew is, but, you know, the buglings really need to vote with their feet and their eyes and however else they decide to vote at BugCon. And... Yeah, we, need to hear, we need to hear the stances and positions from both sides. I agree. Uh, yeah. They both have their pros and cons, and we need to hear them. That's a very positive thing. I'm glad you're helping brokering that deal. Yeah, I know. I mean, because, like, you know, you can argue all day long that, like, you know, the Zune is a superior media player because you can squirt songs back and forth, and, you know, everyone was welcome to the social and all this stuff. And, you know, like, I guess you could say Voodoo is good because it's backed by Walmart and they got a lot of really good new content on there. But, mm-hmm. you know, Crackle being backed by Sony as a Sony catalog and, like, I mean, you could you could make yourself blue in the face arguing what the best thing is of the three. So, well, um, and you never know what there's going to be tomorrow. It's true. That's also true. You know. So, I guess we'll see, we'll see at BugCon. It'll be the the ultimate throwdown, uh, champion of the gangs at least for a year. We'll see what BugCon 2021. <laughs> um, well, yeah. You know. It all depends. I mean, we'll see who's who. We'll see who uh, is streaming at the Burbank Marriott. Yeah. I mean, I think that that'll probably decide who the real winner is. I mean, yeah, I guess, but I don't know. I mean, the the world exists outside of the Burbank Marriott. That's that's kind of that's my point. Is that you know, like like yeah, okay, so one weekend, one magical weekend of the year, we're all at BugCon, right? But really, you need to be representing your gang 365 <laughs> days a year. Exactly. So just because like they might stream Crackle at the Marriott. Like, the, that doesn't make Crackle necessarily the best. And I'm not taking a position here. I want to make that very clear. I'm very neutral across all three gangs. Hmm. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Honestly, I, I think... I think. Uh, I mean, it's a big I debate think, for a I reason. I think the debate will will really inform everyone. And I, I completely agree. BugCon 2020 is going to be out of this world. Um <laughs> Eli, uh, we, somebody earlier on Twitter actually sleeves. They're, they're wondering if we let the guests pick their movie. And yes, we do. Eli, what are we going to be talking about today with you? Uh, today is the never-ending story, and I optioned you guys to also get into the sequels if you had time. Otherwise, Which, I can we, give we you dabbled, one. We, we had dabbled. some time. Yeah, yeah, we got time sometimes. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, with, uh, well, first of all, why did you pick these movies? Um, well, I guess like, uh, I mean, have you guys seen the new Stranger Things? Of yeah, did, is that, is that we were what wondering? it is? Did you see Stranger <laughs> Things and then start liking Never in No, no, no. Got it, nailed it. We had so. it. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's one of those things where like, so I grew up, I'm a child of the 80s, right? And I grew up, like, this is a, this is a major part of my childhood. And um, it uh, is seeing a resurgence of interest again because of the, uh, the musical number in Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? Everyone's all obsessed with the song, but only the true OGs <laughs> are obsessed with the Betamax tape. So you're telling us you were a little kid like the Stranger Things singing the song, basically. Oh, my God. Yeah, You lived you, it. I mean, everyone that grew up in the 80s, I think, was like really, really, really into this movie for no good reason. I mean, I think I've probably seen it hundreds of times because I, I definitely remember wearing out the tape and needing to like fuck with the tracking of my VHS player every mm-hmm. time I wanted to watch it, you know? Which uh, might be too bu- too big of a throwback for some bug. Well, how, but... how do you watch it now? I assume uh, you got that do Blu-ray. You have it on Blu-ray. Uh, I just watch it on my computer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. You know? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to bring this up. You're the first person to pick a horror movie for the oh, podcast. This, horror movie. This, it's scary in sections. I mean, I get that. That was kind of the thing too. Like, I remember, like, this movie has like so many different beats to it, right? Because there's there's definitely segments that are just like especially as a child, just, like, terrifying, right? Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, we're sure. o- we're opening up, and we get to see our lead with his dad, and it's really not, uh, I mean, we're going we're gonna to be feeling for this little kid. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, they, they really just, like, drop the bomb on you right at the start of the movie. They're like, oh, um, yeah, my mom's dead, and my dad's kind of a piece of shit that, for some reason, mixes orange juice and eggs in a blender. So this kid's, like... <laughs> just living in hell right yeah exactly i mean you just feel for him right away i mean to think to live in a household where it's acceptable to blend orange juice and eggs together yeah his mom would have never let that happen just because of the color i mean i i don't know like maybe maybe it's a there's a deeper thing going on here and that his dad is just so depressed 
that he's just like nonsensically combining foods because he can't even bring himself to cook. Maybe he can't eat solid foods. I mean, I guess that could be true. Maybe he doesn't <laughs> have a handicap. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's this kid. He's got it pretty rough. There's bullies. These they bullies are right on him as soon as he leaves the house, it seems like. Yeah. What Honestly, what always blows my mind about this movie every time I rewatch it is just how quick, like, they get into it. Like, it's, I mean, like, the theme <laughs> yeah. song plays, the dad blends up the orange juice and the eggs, and, like, the bullies are chasing Bastion over the course of, like, a minute. Yeah. yeah, and then demanding they, money. Yeah, they throw Bastion <laughs> in the in an actual dumpster. Yeah, I I always remember uh, as a kid like how how gross the weird little like uh, wood shavings seemed to me. Like <laughs> I don't know what I thought they were as a kid, but like rewatching it as an adult, I'm like that's that's probably the best thing you could fall into is like a yeah, dry dumpster. It's, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's not nothing wet. Yeah. It's just like some dirt and some like yeah shredded paper. Yeah, <laughs> and then but he, I. The the other thing that I like about that is like I don't, I don't know like it's it's just like it kind of like mirrors the experience I had like as a kid like because I was cause oh, no. sort of like, oh, no, not to no, say no, I've ever been thrown no. in a dumpster but I was always kind of like the nerdy like bookworm kid that like I rode a bus to school did and there's always you, did like you, the, did you ever run from three bullies just like the scene I wouldn't say I ever ran from them but definitely like dealt with bullying so okay. kind of like that always like resonated with me I guess for. Yeah, and the poor guy, he gets thrown in the dumpster and then gets out, and then they start chasing him again. Yeah. They actually yeah. see him. He's like, he's so foolish to walk back the same way that they went or whatever. Well, not only that, came. it seems like he waits about 40 seconds. He's mm-hmm. like, okay, good, they're gone. Gets out, and then like starts screaming, not again. Yeah, and then that's going to lead to him. Uh, he's hiding in a building and meets like a, a old man with books. Yeah. So this uh, this is the other cool thing about this movie is it's like um, it kind of reminds me of like the shop in Gremlins, right? Like this okay, weird yeah. like it's like the mystical person from like Are You Afraid of the, or Yeah, it's Are You Afraid of the Dark, right? The '80s PBS show. I don't know. Are you guys? Uh, you guys are you that? afraid of the dark? Was on. I remembered it as a '90s show. I yeah, yeah, years yeah, before. But well, I guess like the point is like the, it's it's like just the quintessential sort of like mystical outlet of things that mm-hmm. you know are just going to be the catalyst for yeah, something crazy. Like, like you said, the Gremlin oh, yeah. shop is yeah right on point. He's going to hand over something that's dangerous and you don't know about it. Yeah, it's very mystical. He says, "Get out of here, kid." Yeah, which you know, of course, means business. Yeah, (laughs) I hear that almost every day. Yeah, he says that his books aren't safe for little boys. Yeah, you know, and again, this is one of those movies like when you re like a lot of '80s movies and and '90s movies. I mean, American Pie is particularly terrible. Like when you rewatch it as an adult, and you're just like, "Ooh, this is problematic." Yeah, I mean, it is an old man smoking a pipe saying, "These books aren't for you, little boy." Yeah, a little, a little on the creepy side, um, but yeah, like because he basically like lures him into stealing the book, right? Oh, Essentially, yeah. yeah, that's what it looks like. Well, and like. the kid's like, he's like, yeah, you don't want to read this book. It's like, yeah, you wouldn't like it. It's not for you. And yeah. the kid's like, oh no, I'm a total fucking nerd, and I like read hundreds and thousands of books every day, and like just rattles off all these books and then he just steals it like, and then he you know. steals it like a, <laughs> yes, like a, he was bullied, thrown in a dumpster, and like. And then just stole a book. Turned yeah from from a bullied nerd to a common thief. Exactly. <laughs> over the course of five minutes. And then and then he's he's gonna I guess go to school but ditch out on class to go up to what I found to be a particularly spooky school attic oh, so yeah. he can read. But before he does that, uh, the old dude like as he notices the book got stolen has like the creepiest like. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's he was, the shit. <laughs> you steal that book, about. you little yeah. fucker. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna have a good time, <laughs> little perv. I told you not to. Yeah, worked right, just like <laughs> you wanted to. And then yeah, then it's like I, I guess the, I guess the joke with the attic is that it's school play like costumes or something. But there's a wolf and. Uh, heads and skeletons and he's just up there chilling popping open the book well let's be real though i mean like so this is this is where you have to begin your suspension of disbelief for the movie because like if that if that type of space existed in any school like you wouldn't have one nerd up there reading a book there'd be people up there smoking pot yeah you name it like there'd be that one cool janitor yeah exactly (laughs) it would be it would be off the chain so yeah, yeah, and he actually he has like a stashed key. He knows where the key is right there by the door too. Yeah, He's which slick. is like the worst place you could hide a key. I mean that that key would be stolen the first second someone noticed that was broken. Exactly. Well, and he like he ends up staying in the attic for such a long time. Yeah, 
And it's I mean, strange that no one cares that he's no, gone. No one cares. knows. It seemed like he was there for two days while he was reading, unless it just got dark for a different reason at points. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I don't know. It's a strange, strange parenting situation. But what can, again, <laughs> what can you expect from someone that eats orange juice and raw eggs? So. Yeah. The yeah. Poor kid's set up for failure. <laughs> he's probably, <laughs> yeah. his dad's busy with all the diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and once he opens up this book, try and uh, try and help set up this this world for us, Eli. Oh, he, he gets in here. We meet that there's the rock biter, um, right. and, and all the, the, the other characters. Snail at guy. The start. But the yeah. racing snail guy is uh, actually, uh, as I, I think one of you guys said, the Oompa Loompa from uh, it's Deep Roy from uh, the yeah, uh, yeah, the Johnny Depp uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah. yeah, that guy's great. He's he's it seems like the Mad Hatter, and he has a, a racing slug. Yeah, and then, you know, there's a weird bat and a troll guy. I think his name's like Night Bob or Night Hob or something like that. Okay, yeah, the troll guy's cool. He's got a bat that he works with that flies him around and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I remember, so when I watched this as a kid, for whatever reason, I wanted to be the rock biter when I grew up. He is the biggest, <laughs> he is the biggest one. The biggest guy's got this, like, Tough. motorcycle made out of rocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just chomping on limestone. Doesn't need to worry about food because there's just rocks everywhere. I mean, yeah. like seems like the way to go and he's hard as a rock we were saying yeah <laughs> but like so the, the basic premise of the whole thing so the 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 scene that's set at the beginning of the once he opens the book is that um the the rock biter is running away from uh i don't remember exactly when they refer to it as the nothing in the movie but um effectively like his land is being destroyed and just kind of turned into nothing and the other fantasy characters that you're introduced to are sort of experiencing the same thing and um, everyone's sort of getting together to do this sort of like Oregon Trail style adventure to the Ivory Tower to see the childlike Empress who they believe is going to do something. Big emphasis on, yeah, childlike yeah. Empress. Yeah, for, for sure. So um, they're just about to leave. And that's kind of when the, the, the movie introduces the nothing, which is like this scary black hurricane tornado kind of thing that just... Yeah, and we start stepping into the almost horror movie. Everybody's on the run from this giant storm of nothing that's yeah. eating the world, essentially. Yeah, yeah, which is super creepy. I mean, like it's it's a, I don't know, it's it's an interesting sort of concept, I guess, because like to to have everyone kind of like corralled to the center of this fantasy universe because it's like literally just like vanishing. I don't know. It seems seems interesting. I thought it looked super cool visually too. That scene. Yeah. Uh, the, the actual look of the snail. The snail, and yeah, and the, the rock troll. guy. I don't know. It all looks super cool. I mean, all the costumes it, and makeup. Yeah, it's 80s. <clears throat> it, it's, it looks pretty good for everything that was a practical thing that they did. Oh, for sure. Because well, then, like, right after that, they go to that, like, council or whatever, and they mm -hmm. talk more about the nothing. Yeah, they're at the and, ivory tower. And uh, you're introduced to all those other, like, species and stuff. Yeah, so There's what's interesting about that, that scene is like the Easter egg of the movie because like if you pull up a frame of it on like a Blu-ray copy or something like that, like yeah, you'll see um, like C-3PO and R2-D2 are there and like there's Star Wars characters. So that's why I actually brought this up. This, this is where we're swerving into the twist of the podcast. Wild. Is I'm going to make the argument that this is actually canonically a Star Wars movie. That's, oh, wow. wow, just dropping it on us. And arguably, since it came out so early, this is the original prequel. Everyone says episode one oh, wow. is where it starts, but I would argue episode one is actually episode like 1.5. Okay, okay, so clearly you've done some research on this. Now, you're saying that <laughs> the robots are in the shot if you have the Blu-ray and freeze it at just the right moment? Well, so oh. it's it's one of these things that's like highly up for debate, right? Because like the, the movie was not, at least I don't believe it was shot in HD, right? So when you when you paused it on the vhs you know you mm -hmm. always would get like this what kind of weird blurry thing but there's like definitely like creatures that look like the ones from the dark crystal and there's definitely things that look like ewoks and there's definitely something that looks like yoda and there's a trash can shaped thing that looks like r2d2 so check okay, it out because, we'll because there's like some giant fish people yeah we see stuff. some giant fish it looks like a <laughs> actually it looks like the fish band a concert it's just a fish head person 
and there's like an elephant, and there's people with split heads that like wrap around one another to where they're quad-headed people, but you're saying there's even more going yeah, on. Yeah, so the shot you have to look at is like when they actually do like the pull-away shot of all the different like races uh, that have assembled at the Ivory Tower. Hang on, hang on. I gotta find this. I got, uh, I got the second movie pulled up. Uh, Seriously, just like right uh, type, type into Google like uh, "Neverending Story" C three PO or something like that, and I okay. promise it'll be like okay. the first thing. Okay, yeah. Up. He's got. He's thirteen. He types fast. We're gonna be on this in a second. Okay. Is this the only section where you're noticing, um, you know, that your argument is there? Is yeah, there more stuff to come? Is this that, just the setup? That's the only one. But uh, I mean, okay. like, if they're there, they're there. But they're right? in I that mean, universe, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. So, so that kind of, if you take that one step farther, what that means is that the nothing is also affecting uh, the Star Wars universe, which means that the Star Wars universe is actually also in Fantasia. That would mean wow. everything in fa- okay, and we we're talking about Fantasia. We're trying to look at a picture a right second. here. I'm Who seeing they have some cir- red Gumby? circles around people. Oh, damn! That, that one does Yoda? look like Yoda. Wow. That's weird. Yep. See how how do oh, I? Oh, is that? Hmm. Wow. Uh, let's get a bigger, let's get right a better right. shot here. Of this <laughs> sleeves and you need uh, to do like the CSI enhance right now. And see, I, I just watched the film last night, and I remember this scene. And yeah, I remember the guys with big stone heads, the fish people. I didn't quite catch this. I'm wondering if it's you know uh, a bit of uh, fan art. <laughs> I've dabbled. I've dabbled in fan art online. <laughs> I know about making fake photos, and I'm, now I'm curious about this because otherwise it looks like Yoda's just chilling in the back. See, my my theory with this always was that like they needed just a bunch of like props to fill the scene. Okay, and, yeah, big set. And, like, like, you know, George Lucas and everything was kind of in cahoots with this. So, like, that was just seemed like it makes sense. We are like, all right, yeah, let's pull all this Star Wars shit out of the closet and throw it in there, too, maybe? Son, they're saying Lucas's Star Wars is in the Fantasia world. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so, really, it kind of, like, reframes the entire Star Wars trilogy and the prequels. Mm. And... Uh, this is definitely the darkest <laughs> Star Wars film now. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. There's no horses in Star Wars. There's a like, horse in well, this movie. But if, if if this is a Star Wars movie, I mean, you have to argue that horses also exist in Star Wars. I don't know. They Would horses exist in Star Wars? I mean, all, all I really know about the horse is that <laughs> it was the scariest part of the movie. Eli, since you say this is your favorite, I'm wondering if The Godfather 2, when the horse is killed, is your other favorite movie. Because, good <laughs> God, I had to watch a Trey's horse die. But that's coming up. I'll get to it, I guess. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, if you look at my shelf of Blu-rays, it's, the, it's a weirdly common theme where it's like all movies where horses have been killed. Yeah. So did George Lucas really work on some of this at all? I don't like, know. Like, I was looking into it a little bit because... Uh, like, I found out, like, I guess the guy that wrote the book apparently did not like the movies at all. Yeah. And well, like, that's the thing. Like, so they were garbage trash. Yeah. So he actually, when he saw the movies, uh, this is another kind of interesting piece of Never Any Story trivia. When he saw the movies, he sued the shit out of the, everyone that was involved in the movie. And um, it actually was mired up in courts for so long that that's why they had to recast the sequel. Because it was in oh, courts no. for so long that, like, all the kids... Are, were too old because it was, I think, over the course of like five or six years between the two movies. Yeah, we started we started um, the second one. We saw that they recast the boy and his dad. Yeah, which is ultra confusing. The, the only character that, the only actor that remains the same is um, the creepy old guy in the bookshop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so he hated it actually. But I mean, have you have you ever read the book? No, like, that's the thing. Like, every time I, I think about this, like, I'm like, man, it's like one of my favorite movies ever. How have I never read the book? Because, like, one of my other favorite movies is uh, Disney's Sword in the Stone, and that book is, like, super fucked compared to the Disney movie. Okay. So it's on my to-do list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, shit, I mean, you dropped this Star Wars bomb on us. I appreciate it. We'll probably have a ton of clicks now with this. Um, but I mean, that's, that should be the, that's, that's your clickbait title, right? Is Never Ending Story <laughs> exactly. the actual Star Wars prequel? Question mark, question mark. The with actual, with yeah. all of our faces looking shocked for it the It sounds like a Mike Zero drop or something. Yeah. It's, I know. It's right I know there. for real. Maybe huh. I should, uh, I should, we should workshop this with uh, Mike Zero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But um, that that council meeting that you're talking about, they pretty much decide that the Empress is dying, and um, 
they need to have, uh, I wrote it down, I really like this part, they needed the Plains people because they have a, the Plains people who fu- hunt the purple buffalo, Yeah, they have a warrior, <laughs> a Treyu, the purple, puff, the purple buffalo hunter's coming, and he, uh, he shows up at the castle pretty soon after that, or the ivory tower. Well, so this is this is another uh, really clever nod that you start to notice after you've seen this movie a bazillion times is that the uh, Treyu and the Purple Buffalo are actually on Bastion's backpack in a in a uh, patch that they show like very briefly. So like it's it's all starting to kind of like come together. This okay. exists like in he this looks, dude's He mind. looks at his backpack after that section, right? And yeah. It's like yeah. what the fuck? Oh yeah, because yeah. he's the kid starts re- uh, screaming while he's reading the book, and mm-hmm. and the characters in the book can hear him. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. So they Atreyu basically comes and they just like first everyone's like, "Who the fuck is this stupid kid, dude? We need like the the supreme warrior that's capable of killing the yeah, purple buffalo and everything." They want a man, and then it's like a little boy that kind of looks like a little Keanu Reeves actually yeah. comes yeah. instead, and it's like, "Y'all wanted it, I got it." Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he he tries. He's like, "All right, well, peace out then." And they're like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa wait, wait a minute." I guess we will allow a child to save us, <laughs> which is super smug, but whatever. Yeah, and they give him, they're telling him that he has to, you know, save all of Fantasia by fighting the nothing, but uh, this is something I did notice. They say you have to go alone and with no weapons, and that made yeah. me think true Uncle Howard status, where Treyu's going to just <laughs> drive his hands through people's necks and rip open yeah, throats and just, hands. you know, slaughter the whole nothing if he has yeah. to. I, true I, cool. The other crazy thing about this scene is like so so he comes in they're like oh you're a stupid kid get the fuck out of here and then and then then they tell him uh, if you fail like the empress will die and the entire world will be destroyed so everything's on you see ya have have fun we're giving you no provisions or supplies but you know just just see what you can do exactly and they oh, that, give him... I guess they do give him the necklace with that so whoa, whoa, uh, whoa 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 sleeves do you hear what he just necklace? called the medallion. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a medallion. Come I'm on, sorry. I thought you said you've seen this movie. The medallion. My man gets a cool looking, super sick. It's silver yeah. and gold medallion. Um, Sleeves had some thoughts on kind of what it looks like, actually. And uh, well, I don't think it looks like it. I know for a fact that it is uh, two snakes eating each other's asses. Okay, because it's a silver and a gold, and they're wrapped around, and they look like they're 69ing, actually. Yeah. There's a 69, yeah, right. and then it leads to some ass-eating, is what you're saying. I mean, that's where they get their power from. <laughs> really. And then it also kind of looks like they make uh, the shapes of the six. Yeah, it's like double 69 shapes. It's it's a kick-ass medallion. Medallion. And, Very yeah, horny, That's too. all he gets to they go fight they the nothing. They thought they were going to try to hide that from... Uh, from, from us horn dogs, but I caught it. I mean, yeah, I can't slip a single thing by you guys. So <laughs> clear as day, yeah. <laughs> and then he, it's all he gets is this medallion and his horse, and he starts riding his horse, uh, trying to find. Um, is he trying to find the nothing at the start, or just the turtle he's, that he runs uh, into? He's trying to find the cure for the empress at this okay, point. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is just like kind of absurd because it's like like empress. Yeah, it's like, all right, kid, um, you know, leave everything here. We're not giving you nothing. You just have your horse. Uh, go find a medical cure. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Ride into the distance and find it. Yeah. So this is one of the many scenes of him just, like, riding something very quickly. Which, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was cool as a kid. Yeah, he yeah. just blazes across the desert or whatever right there. He runs yeah. back another tribe of horses, looking pretty cool. And then he gets like stuck in the mud at the same time, or is it, does the uh, the no, that happens a little later. Like before. I think they they introduce the the wolf, yeah, the, yeah, the, the creature first. of darkness. Um, yeah, and it becomes very apparent that like Atreyu has like no idea what he's doing. Um, and then uh, it, this is like makes me laugh every time I watch this movie. Is like like right around this time, like they go back out to Bastion, who. Is just about to eat like his lunch or something like that. And he like takes a bite and he has this like really dramatic like look like oh no I had a ration this PB and J we got a long way to go. Just <laughs> like I, like I, it just seems like stupid fluff that adds nothing but whatever. Um, but yeah, then from there they go to the swamp of sadness or swamp of sorrows or is that the World of Warcraft zone? I don't remember one or the <laughs> other. 
Um, and yeah, that's the horse, the horse sinking scene. Yeah, and this is where a really strong divide, I'm sure, happened with audiences watching this. I had a sharp turn against Atreyu because a real horseman is not putting his horse in that mud like that. Poor yeah. thing. He's he's gonna drown in mud. One of the worst deaths imaginable. I mean, people were fucking shocked by Hereditary. This movie's got it. This movie's got to be. Just, I mean, like, it makes me wonder, like, what if you were watching this movie in the theater opening night, no one had seen it before, like, what's the audience reaction to that? Because, like, it seems weirdly dark. I mean, do. like, <laughs> extremely dark. It's very dark. The horse looks pretty scared for a while. There's a cutaway, so you don't ever see the head go under, but you are watching a horse that's, like, trained enough to stand in place in mud, and it looks scared. It's acting with its eyes because it's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he so he ends up losing them, basically. He hasn't ran into the wolf or anything, but he loses his horse right before running into the, our next person, pretty much, or next uh, creature. Yeah, yeah, so next creature is named uh, Morla, I believe. Morla, I think is something, what I wrote, something, like something that, along that line. Which is like this giant turtle in the swamp that... Um, it's just turtle. just crazy like so he goes from like losing his horse to being this turtle that just like does not give a fuck the, the, the turtle's pretty cool yeah the turtle doesn't care about shit <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of amazing because the is like hey uh the world's going to shit everything's getting destroyed the child like empress is dying please help me and the turtle's like eh <laughs> yeah the kid tells him you'll die too and the turtle's like then that'd be something yeah she's yeah. like i don't know like the the rewatch again rewatching this as an adult you're like man this is not a kid's movie no. no, it's harsh in a way, yeah. He's allergic to the little boy and keeps sneezing on him. Yeah. And it's a giant turtle, yeah. Yeah, it was just like the suicidal giant old god turtle just telling this kid and an audience of children, like, at least if I die, that'll feel like something. Yeah, then I'll feel it. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. Does he, is the turtle the one that gives him the what he needs to find, or is it something else? I can't remember. Uh, well, the turtle then sends him off to the Southern Oracle, okay. which is, um, you know, the, the, the two Egyptian kind of looking, um, that's right. They sends him to the, to the gate kind of. Yeah. But before that, like he almost dies in the swamp and then, uh, Falcor, the, the luck dragon that, that, you know, is like the mascot of the movie basically comes to scoop him up. Yes. This, and, uh, is he's just, he's, snake he's just dog. a dragon. He's like a snake dog dragon. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a fair, fair description, I suppose. He's got like little blisters all over him, and he—he he looks like, like he parties. Been rubbed raw. Don't <laughs> like, you think real... those are? <laughs> so you look at those as blisters and not dragon scales? Yes. Yeah, oh, did you call them blisters? Oh, yeah, I thought those were time. Like, yeah. I thought those were like blisters. Yeah. Oh, and interesting. That, <laughs> that lady was injecting them with vitamins at a certain point, but that might have been something else. You know, if they make those songs about the magic dragon. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's strange, but uh, <laughs> he's yeah. he's a cool dragon. He's friendly as fuck, and he's lucky, right? Yeah, I, although I don't, I don't know how lucky he actually is because it seems like a lot of unlucky things happen around him, which just think like wouldn't necessarily be true if he was an actual lucky dragon. But I don't know. He pretty much swoops um, a tray you up in a clutch moment though, and carries yeah. them to like basically the next hut and the next uh, like you're saying the uh, the sphinxes that he's going to end up at, right? Yeah, and that's that's when they introduce these. Uh, and I don't remember the name of these two characters, but the um, like weird kind of like gnome people, I guess, like the gnome professor guy. Yeah, they're really tiny. Like uh, they look like yeah, they're, they're as like big as this big scientists toe. And they like yeah. live in a little cave. Yeah, they remind me of the um, like the uh, Billy Crystal's character in Princess Bride. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, yeah, I don't know this this whole this whole section is weird because like this dude apparently has been like working on a he's been studying this for like something like a thousand years or something like that, but like doesn't know too much about it. Yeah, and Valcor just basically lands right by him, and then they wake up from sleeping, and he just stumbles in there to where they're kind of, uh, you know, telling them they're scientific experts, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah, which, um, I don't know, seems uh, seems kind of weird to be staring at something, living next to something for a thousand years. Yeah. And, uh, and knowing so little, but I guess the, the, the truly amusing part is, like, so you have Atreyu who's dealing with this guy who is at least some kind of expert on this, right? And they see the night guy just get absolutely blown the fuck up by the sphinxes. And Atreyu then is just like, all right, see ya. I don't need, yeah. I don't need any pep talks or coaching or anything else. I'm going to go get blown up too. 
Yeah, because theoretically, this guy's been watching now for a thousand years people just blow up at that gate, because that's all he really does. He goes up and looks through, like, his sort of telescope and can see in the distance that, like, a knight's about to go through. Mm -hmm. And uh, he doesn't fare well, because uh, is this... uh, is this something you really like in the story as a little kid that you need to be confident? You got to be a cool guy to get through the gate, basically. I mean, I, mean, I guess it's kind of like the lesson learned here is like Ooh. if you don't want to get blown the fuck up by laser eyes, you got to be, be cool, cool, dude. Be cool, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, that they uh, those Sphinx also uh, have their boobs out. Well, they're giant, giant, beautiful gold Sphinxes. There's two of them. <laughs> it's a gate, basically. Their boobs are yeah exposed. Um, they're, Nothing they're really nice. By sleeves. <laughs> yep, see, they yeah. thought. And then, and then the thing is that, like, whenever the knight approaches, he's not cool enough. He doesn't have his confidence up. And then they kind of just peep their eyes open and they cut him the fuck down with lasers. So Atreyu's yeah. got to try and beat this. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's like, this is like the, uh, the double dare. Uh, last game yeah. kind of section <laughs> where he's got to, like, roll around and beat the lasers and stuff. Yep. And he he, and he he does it. He gets nervous in the middle. Yeah, I mean, of course. And he, he, like, and how they, would you not be nervous? And they definitely had a, a shot to let us know that, like, as he's getting nervous, he looked right and stared at the breast of the one sphinx. And then he looked left and stared at the breast of the other. And then it was like he got his confidence back together and he ran the fuck through that gate. <laughs> Which, um... Yeah, I mean that's that's all you got to do, I guess. You know, when given a challenge with two sphinxes with laser eyes, is just check out the racks and run through. Yeah, and he just barely makes it, and the little kid's reading in his attic, and he's screaming, and you know, it's all going down right here, pretty much. Yeah, basically. And he was he was screaming at the sphinx statues, not the uh, actual action that uh-huh. took place. You know, so. Yeah, but yeah, but it's not. It's you know, it's just one more step. He's got. It's the never-ending story for a reason. No, exactly. Um, yeah, then the the second challenge, he has to like look at a mirror, right, or something. I don't remember. Like the next one seems yeah, kind of bullshit. Yeah, the mirror. Yeah, it's, it's not very. Uh, it seems really rushed. He like he starts walking through what looks like a um, like a ice snow world kind of, and then they show the mirror and it's showing oh, the yeah. boy Hoth. reading it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, what we I was gonna say. It's like, actually yeah. canonically it's Hoth. Yeah. yeah. Oh, see, so, wow, we made that last night. Yeah. We were like, boy, that looks like it. Yeah, and uh, it and now you're telling us it is. So that really makes sense. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a Star Wars story. Yeah. No. Exactly. Like Incredible. But so, like, so the interesting thing about the whole, like, going through the Southern Oracle thing is that, um, th- like, this is this is where the actual, like, twist of the book begins to get, like, actually revealed because they show that Atreyu is Bastion. Uh-huh. Like, his true yeah. self is, like, the reader, right? Yeah. And Bastion ends up, after he looks through the mirror, and he, like, throws the book for a moment and is upset about things before going back to read it, pretty much. Yeah. It seems like a strange reaction, right, to, to be, like... He's like, the book knows who I am. Fuck it. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know. I guess if I was in a creepy attic, that would be creepy too. But Yeah, and he's been in this attic for like a day and a half at this point, I feel like. It definitely came back to morning. Um, and so he's just been reading all night and knows now that he's in Fantasia. But he has, the last oracle is the one that's going to actually give him some information, the southern oracle. Yeah. So the, the info he gets, uh, they lay this weird shit on him. About how a human child must give the empress a new name uh, to save Fantasia, which, you know, makes a ton of sense. It's it's reasonable, Uh, you know. Yeah, so so all she needs is a new name and everything will stop the nothing. So now it's like a a mad dash back to the little child empress, the childlike empress. Well, so what's bonkers about this is that, like, they reveal that, that Falcor can just, like, access this area. So there was almost no reason for him to even deal with the lasers, I guess. Because <laughs> oh, he just, okay. like, yeah. Falcor just, like, flies he over and picks him up, up, right? That's like, true, damn. Falcor so, was just, like, kind of taking a nap the whole time while it was going on. Yeah, he could have just done it himself. I guess. And then, like, yeah, so the race back is, like, this extended scene of them just, like, flying over everything. Yeah, yeah, the sweet ride, yeah. Yeah, which is, I feel like this scene was put in there, so if, like, the movie was a huge success, it would be, like, the theme park ride. It's like, <laughs> okay, da- yeah, for sure. Dash to the Ivory Tower, featuring Falcor. But, uh... Yeah, because they're just blazing across the entire universe. I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, it's like flying Ooh. in your spaceship in Star Wars or something. It's just, I got my dragon. Yeah. F- Falcor also swims down into the sea, gets the, the medallion. 
yeah, he's 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 useful. Yeah. To, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. They scream a lot, right? After this, like there's just tons of screaming. Um, and uh, I don't know what, what happens. They, this, they like he ends up running into that rock eater again, and then like busts through a wall, and then is in like part of the oh, castle kind of yeah, before is... getting back to the actual ivory tower. This is where the rock eater is like all emo, being like, "God, I wish I, I wish that nothing <laughs> would just take me because like." Uh, oh yeah, actually I remember the scene. This this really fucked me up as a kid because like um, I don't know, it was just like weird seeing like something that seems like it should be so strong, just kind of like looking at its hands, like because um, he says like a bunch of stuff about like these hands used to be strong or something like that. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I forgot. I'm glad you brought this up. They show his stone hands a couple times, and they show those big stone feet a few times too, in a weird yeah, way, where he, it's like he's right by some giant feet. Yeah, and it's just like so defeating. Like, like for, this feels like more depressing. To me. And I don't know why this is, but this always seems more depressing to me. And like losing the horse and everything, because like you have this like giant like golem thing that seems like it should just be invincible. It's just like sitting there, and just like giving up, just like looking at his hands. Which uh, I don't know, kind of fucked up. Yeah, I like how you put it. He's the emo rock biter now. He's like rocks don't taste good anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like I don't fuck like I used to. <laughs> <laughs> let the nothing come but then like atreyu was going through like this old temple then and that that's kind of where it, it they they sort of reveal that this is all foretold i guess because there's all these paintings and stuff that show like yeah all the, the different the murals like, steps. uh showing everything he's done kind of and he's running through for the next one or something yeah so yeah and then um the, the the most anticlimactic battle scene in any movie ever when atreyu fights the wolf guy Oh, oh yeah, yeah yeah the wolf lunges at him yeah he just handles it like there's all this build-up because the the wolf is or i guess the gamork is his character name but like he's all telling him all this shit about how like oh he's gonna he's he's assisting the nothing and he has all his power and he's looking for the one named atreyu and you know like there's this whole monologue that's just kind of like creeping you out right and then he just lunges at atreyu atreyu just like stabs him and he dies yeah because the Treyu picked up like a little piece of wood or something like that and he just perfectly right in the heart and it's done very yeah, yeah. Very, oh yeah and then there's like a bunch of blood too <laughs> there's blood there's blood all over that kid's hands wasn't there i think oh, yeah. there might have been a little blood on him yeah it's not a not, kid's movie which again for a kid's a movie dark, yeah the whole movie really has a, a heavier feel than you expect for everything going on yeah no for sure um, and particularly like after this, like Fantasia basically explodes, right? Like, and it, it just mm -hmm. exists in these like little sort of like Super Mario Galaxy planetoids, floating chunks in space. Of. Yeah, and um, yeah, and then like again, we have another ultra depressing sort of scene where Atreyu is just kind of like going on and on about like apologizing about how he failed and and all this stuff, and they have like, and then this is like where Bastion gets kind of like really looped in, right? Yeah, I did write down one note. Um, it's not too clear now to myself. I wrote that his medallion necklace that oh, uh, the snake's, the snake's nutted. nutted the snake's when he nutted. got to the At ivory tower. Point, yeah, the snake's nutted. They light up they or light something. Up and then like they light up and they glow white in each other's mouths. No. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's the, that's the just... true snake magic. You can uh, only see this on the Blu-ray version of the film but yeah and so it's like he it's activated but he's just kind of you know getting to the empress and it's still just that this little girl isn't she doesn't need a tray you a tray yeah. is worthless like she's like i wouldn't name a band after you because you're worthless a tray you yeah and like this is kind of crazy too because like a tray begins to realize that like nothing he did actually matters so yeah. like you know he put his life at risk he, he lost his horse he no, so let his stuff. horse die. Yeah. He's <laughs> you know, and... complicit in that murder of that horse, and he's not even the fucking hero. And then now there's a band <laughs> called Atreyu. I'm sorry, I get heated. God damn. <laughs> but the little boy is our hero, is what we're going to find out. Right. And so so that's kind of what they reveal. And, and they do this, like, fourth wall breaking, sort of, like, uh, starting to talk directly to the camera to kind of, like, talk to Bastion here. And this is... This is, I think, why I like this movie so much is that um, they kind of like reveal that it's this weirdly like recursive story because Bastion is part of the never ending story. And as part of that, they sort of hint that like 
there's multiple never-ending stories, including like someone that's reading the story of Bastion. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you think about it, the movie is actually like one level abstracted from the actual never-ending story book itself. Which means that Star Wars exists inside <laughs> of two different layers of the never-ending story. So, never-ending story one and never-ending story two. Well, no, it's more like levels of Inception, I guess. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. We're we're chewing through the worlds, and we're seeing yeah. yeah that it's actually all because of Fantasia. No, it's it's true, and you know, like Star Wars exists because Bastion names the childlike Empress something he yells out the window. You can't really hear. Yeah, do you, I was gonna say I didn't think I heard the name. Well, so in the book, it's Moonchild. Moonchild, oh, which is okay. weird because like he there's there's a scene that we didn't mention before this where like when they talk about like naming the Empress like. Bastion goes on this like weird little monologue about like how his mom had the most beautiful name and like he would name her after his mom and stuff like that. So because yeah. his mom's dead at the start, yeah. Yeah, so I guess his mom's name is Moonchild. Moonchild. Okay. Uh, which I, man, maybe... how lame is that? You had a cool ass mom named Moonchild. Now you're stuck with a dad that does eggs and OJ every morning, <laughs> yeah. and it's like keep your fucking feet on the ground. It's like, Dad, I want to play basketball and do shit. No, yeah, yeah, keep yeah. your feet on the ground. Yeah. So, so after he yells yells the name, he's like teleported to the childlike empress. He just has like this grain of sand. He's like, oh, this is this is the remains of Fantasia or something like that, and. And then, like, this this kind of opens the door for the next movie where they, like, she tells him, like, the more he wishes, like, the, the cooler Fantasia becomes, I guess. So uh, he just kind of starts wishing shit. And, of course, the first thing he wishes is to get back at bullies. Which, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 so yeah maybe yeah. that's, like, the second thing he wishes. I think he wishes everything was, like, back to where it was before. Yeah, because she yeah. tells him the deal is you just have to make wishes and everything's going to be great here. So, yeah, everything's back in their world. And then he's bringing um, his, uh, I forgot the dragon's name. He's bringing Falcor, the luck yeah, dragon. Falcor, the luck dragon. Uh, oh, wow. To, like, Brooklyn, basically. The blistered dog. <laughs> he's got and he's him. just riding around the damn street. Yeah, he, like, took him down Fifth Avenue and hooked left. Yeah. And he's going to actually, these kids, then jump into the dumpsters themselves, the bullies, like a true, you know. A true hero story. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, I guess the moral of the story is Bastion learned nothing. Or I guess with enough power, <laughs> you become the bully. Is that the, the takeaway here? I don't... Pretty much, yeah. If you just... That's a good takeaway. I, I guess. I mean... <laughs> the the, the I pecking mean... order of the universe, I suppose. Eh, well... it, did, it just kind of worked out. I mean, it was kind of like, hey, read this book and everything's going to be okay, kid. Get you a dragon in the end. Yeah. Well, so how much do you guys want to get into the other two movies? We, I, I do know. want to we get have, into We have a couple little notes about it. Because right. the ending for the first one, I guess, like, is it is it's kind of weird, but I guess, like, it's not how the book was actually supposed to go, right? Yes, that's my understanding, because, like, the, this, this movie is, like, the first half of the book, and then the yeah. second movie is, like, based on the second half. Yeah, and like you were saying, they were tied up in lawsuits for a while. So the second movie comes out. We have different actors for the kid and dad. It's like kind of the same setup at the start, though. Sort of, but the dad is like cool this time. Sort of, but he also lets everybody he's know that he's a fucking bucket. engineer. <laughs> yeah, like a million times. <laughs> yeah, he's like telling people, like, did you think I misheard? I'm an engineer. I don't mishear. And uh, yeah. <laughs> what's his? He has like a really irritating catchphrase that I I wish I could remember. It's like uh, something along the lines of like I'm an engineer. What I see is what it is, or something stupid like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that he repeats yeah, like six or seven times. Yeah, yeah. And but, so, um, and then he ends up um, getting going back to the same librarian or old man and getting a book again. Yeah, but I guess like so. What's interesting to me about the sequel is that. Um, like, so the first movie introduces this kind of like wish mechanic, right? Um, and you just tell him like, oh, go nuts on, on wishes and stuff like that. And the second movie that sort of continues, but I feel like the reason this movie like sucks so much is because wishes are just like too powerful of a plot device Mm -hmm. or, you know, like a too powerful of a power in like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign or something like that, because like they're, they're just, I don't know, like without, particularly without any limitations. I mean, like. You know, when you look at a movie like Aladdin or something like that, like the reason, like so much of the drama 
of the story comes from like the fact that like shit like i only have three wishes like i really need to be strategic about how i use these i can't just be doing using them on dumb stuff um and, and all this versus like oh yeah I use unlimited wishes just you know do whatever whatever feels good but then what's strange about this too is that like so um there's just kind of like a uh, evil subplot that like, like drags the movie along where there's this like, I don't remember what the character name is like this evil witch that has like built yeah, this It's different machine. from the first one. They introduce a kind of hot lady witch in this yeah. one and she's got a little machine that's doing something. Yeah. Like uh-huh. every time he wishes it like takes a memory from him or something. Yeah. Like I wrote that. down a note. We got real yeah. specific about this. Sleeve it said that we should call little it beans. little boy brain beans from boy. Yeah. 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 His yeah, memory like beans. Little brain boy beans. But what's what's so fucked about the start of this movie is that like Bastion doesn't know this, right? And right. so he arrives back in Fantasia as this effectively like an all-seeing god. Because like he can just like wish whatever the fuck he feels like with no limitations or anything else like that. Mm-hmm. But he's being but like he doesn't. extremely stingy with his wishes mm-hmm. and yeah. like oddly specific with like the things that he wishes like yeah because she sends her like and it's creepy how the bird person looks in this movie because this person's wearing like a furry costume and then they're just their eyes are clearly cut out so the looks that it gives are creepy but she sends it to go try and get the boy to wish basically yeah but like get the beans to get the beans it's it's weird how like hard to get he plays on these wishes right because they like spawn these um I know, like beetle looking robot guys that are just like completely fucking up whatever oh no mm-hmm. I, I actually first they reveal that the water is actually acid yeah and, yeah. The, <laughs> and the bird guy's like wouldn't it be great if you just like wish this water so it wasn't acid and bastion's like eh. yeah he yeah, doesn't why? care <laughs> why would i do that yeah and it's like oh i have unlimited wishes and infinite power in this universe but why would i bother making the water not acidic safe for all these people yeah and then, like, the, these fucking, like, beetle things come and rampage the city, and instead of being, like, I wish the city was safe and defended and these monsters went away forever, he just, like, lets everyone get all fucked up. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and almost loses a leg himself. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, really. Yeah, and then as we jumped around, you know, we didn't quite see all of this one. It's, like, later on in the film, he's doing dumb shit where he's w- wishing for individual steps at a time. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. guy's he's going to waste 20 wishes trying to go up two floors, you know, and before he wouldn't fucking save people burning from acid. It's I know just... it's it's so it's so fucking stupid. And like, it's crazy that um, I don't know why you wouldn't be more broad with your wishes. Right. Like, why? Why waste the effort? I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Like, I know you have infinite wishes, but it's like when you make like green beans for dinner, you don't cook one green bean at a time. <laughs> you do a whole pot full. Like, come on. Yeah, sure. So, um, I don't know. The well, second one seemed like it was... Uh, the dad goes to the shop yeah, and, like, tries to talk to the old man. Do you remember that part? Yeah, and, and the, the old man's, like, uh, basically it gives him a complete brush off. He's like, don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, no. that's when he's yeah, really yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Says, yeah, I don't know who the kid is. And then the dad's like, I'm a fucking engineer. Like, I know what uh, I saw and what I saw is what I know. Yeah. He shows him the book and it's like not what he thought it was a second ago or something. Yeah. So did the dad read the book? Um, I Yeah. The dad like starts to read the book mm-hmm. and that like, so the dad kind of gets like looped into the story in a way too, um, which is kind of stupid how it sort of works out. But like, um, so did you guys make it to the part where like Bastion actually like kills Atreyu? No, I don't think so. Wow. I don't think so. Actually, I'm glad you said something about Treyu. I just, it's just funny to me that when they did the second one, they also changed out the Atreyu actor too. And yeah. Basically, to just put it simply, it went from looking like a little white boy Keanu Reeves <laughs> to a little Tonto or something. Like they made it a little brown yeah. actor actually this time, and it was just kind of funny in a, a jump way or something. Yeah, That's a pretty crazy recast. But he 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 takes out a Treyu. He does him. He kills him. Yeah. Well, he, t- he yeah. There's like they do this like because he kind of like falls for the um, uh, like evil spell of this like witch lady, right? And so he kind of there's they have this little scuffle and okay. um, uh, they Atreyu like falls to his death. But um, 
He he gets wished back to life. So. Oh, know, okay. It's like it's like how Atreyu killed that horse in the first movie, and it gets brought back. At yeah, the end. but yeah. like, it, there's there's more drama surrounding it because like, um, uh, Bastion has like his last memory, and his last memory is like of his mother, or no, his second to last memory. I don't know. It's like all this drama surrounding like he only has like two memories left or something like that, and like one's his mom's, one's his dad or something, mm-hmm. and so he wishes to bring Atreyu back to life and like forgets his dad, and then using his last wish he wishes that this uh witch lady should have a heart which okay. uh, like like fills her with like i don't know like overwhelming regret or something like that and she just kind of like explodes and everything like rewinds oh. back to normal and um and and it's like nothing it actually mattered wish. at all i wish you had a heart and then she just bust yeah basically well and then is that how it ends yeah, more or less. Like okay. he, he basically like, so so. There's a callback to the beginning of the movie where he like can't go off the high dive. Uh huh. Sure. And like so, um, the way he gets back home is like jumping off this giant waterfall. Mm, okay. It's a very dramatic dive, and you know, then is back home and is like, oh, I'm so happy to be here. Blah blah blah. So then the third one is like completely different and completely and off the rails. Is the yeah. third one the Jack Black one? Or yes. Is, okay. Third one has Jack Black. Third, yeah, one, so, third one came across like Jack Black's bullying him, and then it seemed like the book was just like a family fantasy. Yeah, yeah well, so, he writes fan fiction about having a family of his own. Yeah, what? so what happens with the, the, the production of this movie, so the first and second movie were based on the book, right? And they both did shockingly well as far as like uh, box office ticket sales and everything else like that mm-hmm. were concerned. So I guess the Hollywood bigwigs, the you know the powers that be, were like, well, we got to keep this gravy chain rolling. You know, there's no more source material left. Like, just just make something up. And so, this movie like really explores like what happens when you have unlimited wishes in like the real world, which just makes it like kind of extremely stupid. Yeah. Because like once again, they have completely recast everyone. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does the dad still drink orange juice? Because I know he's still drink. He's still drinking the OJ in the Number second two. one. Um, I don't. I don't remember if it's two or three where the dad like microwaves him a pizza and serves orange juice with it. I think it's mm-hmm. two. Okay, yeah, he has some orange but, juice for sure, and two. Yeah, he's got some like orange juice fetish. And, and then think. it seemed like from skipping through because we didn't really see much of this <laughs> it's one. Probably because it, it kind of looks like piss. Yeah, so you're 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 good. <laughs> we uh. It looks like that, like Jack Black, and I mean Jack Black's wearing a black leather jacket. He's got a shaved head. He's a young fucking hunk, but he's like found the kid's book, and he's like reading that he's writing about family and like t- chasing him through the, <laughs> oh, yeah. the high gets, school or something like that. He gets real mad about him wishing yeah. he had family. Yeah. So so basically, like they they just like bully the shit out of Bastion, and like whoever. Is I think whoever's like holding the book has the power of the wishes or something like that. Okay. Okay. And sure. like it gets passed around to like every character, so they like you know just do like different scenes where like like for instance like when Jack Black has it like Fantasia goes to shit and like when uh, Bastion's sister has it she like goes on the shopping spree and like all this other just okay. like completely nonsensical bullshit that makes absolutely no sense. Um, and there's like. And eventually, like, someone does a wish that, like, breaks the universe and, like, you have this, like, Fantasia slash real world crossover okay. where things from Fantasia are coming out into the real world. And um, I don't know. And I, it's, it's hard to recap because none of it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, they did seem to get progressively worse. Um, the first one's fun. I mean, it is, like, it's heavy and kind of somber, but it is something that, you know, I can see why it was a big deal and why, you know, we're still kind of talking about it now even. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things like it's a, it's a weirdly, the first one is a weirdly dense movie because there's like so many different scenes, so many different characters, so many different uh, things they come across that, um, I don't know. It's really good. Yeah. And I mean, and viewers, viewership's probably going to go up because now everybody knows that this is the first prequel. Yeah. The Star Wars franchise actually. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So well, yeah, never uh, ending story trilogy. No reason to ever watch the third movie. Watch the second movie if you're curious, but I'm sure everyone's seen the first movie. So yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was great, uh, you know, having this picked. It was a fun movie to look at, and especially with this big bomb that she dropped on us. Yeah, uh, Eli, tell the people uh, where you're at. Give them, you know, your Twitter handles, or you know, are you doing any game streams? What's going on with you? 
Yeah, so I guess if you want to follow uh, a A1 bug cult reply guy, um, uh, yes. Twitter, twitter.com slash HODAP. Uh, it's spelled H-O-D-A-P-P. Uh, also, uh, streaming on Twitch, I guess. I don't know. I used to, I, I, my old job I had a really big Twitch channel and stuff, so it's kind of weird like streaming to like an audience of three comparatively, but uh, twitch.tv slash HODAP. Trying to figure out what it takes to get to be a official Bazizio pro streamer. Oh, oh yeah, and that okay. that career path. So uh, I don't know yeah. how that all works. I'm sure they have a lot of checklists you got to make, but yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, anybody can work towards it. Listen, I, I just I just need to know the first step. You know, I need a long long term goal to work towards in the cult. Yeah, I saw you playing some Zelda the other day, and yeah, it looked like you had things running smooth. Yeah, I mean, I got yeah the whole setup. You know, it's uh, so the, you know, I'm set. Well, yeah, a ton of the buglings are into the the games and the the Twitch. And yeah, you fit right in with us. It was it was great having you on here for this. Hell yeah! Thanks thanks for inviting me. This is a, a a big surprise to be invited onto such a prestigious podcast so early appreciate in my it. my cult career. I guess <laughs> we appreciate it. Well, that's what makes it so fun. It's fun to it's fun to find out how everybody uh, you know. I know. I guess but to 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 be to be on uh, the same hallowed ground as you know Franklin and Uncle Howard and. I mean, yeah, you're walking behind legends. Jeez, man, it's uh, I don't know. It's like it's like taking the stage. It's like it's like entering the WWE ring after John Cena. (laughs) It's like where do you where do you even go from there? That's a commercial break, you know. Sure. Yeah. Well, you did you did great. You you held your ground. We're gonna have you back sometime, Eli. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye bye.